Hello and welcome to another installment of Conf T with your SE. A quick reminder that the thoughts and opinions expressed here are our own, and to please consult with Cisco TAC or Cisco Partners before implementing any of the recommendations made on this show. I am your host, Brian Young, and today we're talking about protecting the endpoint. And joining me today on a special episode of Conf T with your SE is my good friend, Keith Manville. Keith, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Brian. How are you? I'm awesome. Uh, thanks for joining today. Um, I brought in Keith as he is. Well, what is your title, Keith? Security engineer. Security engineer. Um, that that's. Uh, I, I think I think you're more than just a security engineer. But uh, Keith is a specialist on one of the products that uh, actually a few of the products that we uh, security products that Cisco deals with uh, specifically around the endpoint security piece, uh, as well as a couple other a couple other things. So today we're we're really going to be talking about. AMP for endpoints. But before we dive into that, I, I would like, uh, Keith, if we could, to kind of uh, look into what is AMP, right? We, we hear that uh, that word a lot. It stands for Advanced Malware Protection. But where does it exist? What's the idea behind it? Uh, if you could kind of tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So I always like to start with, you know, like you just did, de- defining that acronym, AMP, Advanced Malware Protection. And um, we have a, a slogan here, that we refer to as AMP everywhere. Mm-hmm. And we have different different security products that are AMP enabled, okay? okay. So, um, you know, that's one piece. The other piece is AMP for the endpoint. That's where we'll focus today. But they all work together, they all talk together, uh, and they all share information. Now, what kind of products are we talking about where, where AMP exists? Uh, are, we, are we talking firewall or where else? Email security, web security, firewall, uh, exactly. Okay, great. So the idea behind um, AMP existing in all those places, right? Um, see it once, block it everywhere, right? I, I, we, we, we say that a lot. The idea being that if we see it going through uh, a, an email and we're able to analyze it and see it there, that we're able to block it on that platform, but also at the endpoint level, on the firewall, on the web security piece, uh, right, so see it once, block it everywhere. And the example I like to give—I don't know if, if you go if, if if you take this one—but with WannaCry, WannaCry was a very specific vector of attack, right? That was specifically through intrusion, and we had uh, analyzed the malware that was associated with WannaCry and had a blueprint of it and, and knew all about it with our AMP engine, right? We're using uh, ThreatGrid, which I'm sure you'll you'll talk about th- what is ThreatGrid a little bit later. So we had analyzed that, and even though WannaCry was specifically an intrusion uh, method through your firewall, and that's where we blocked it, that's where we saw it, if that vector ever changed, even today, if someone decided to use email as an attack vector for AMP or for uh, WannaCry, AMP in our email security appliance would block that. Is that, is that a good description? That's perfect. Um, I think of it as a layered approach, okay? Mm-hmm. Let's say a threat gets through my email security. Uh, it gets which they through, do. Which they do, right? It gets through my firewall and it lands on my endpoint. Uh, what happens then? Okay, where we have AMP for endpoints monitoring the activity on the on on those endpoints, so that we can see a file. If we want to block it there, we can it, we can share that and block it on the other devices as well. That you bring up a good point, Keith, because at the end of the day, malware is going to get through, right? If if it didn't. The, the 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 good old days of a, a firewall and a an antivirus you know that would that would be enough but it's obviously not enough anymore 
Um, and it's because threats get through, specifically on the firewall side, right? Because more and more traffic is becoming encrypted. Uh, we are we are having less and less visibility on the firewall side to be able to see that traffic, analyze that traffic, and you know block that type of malware. So we really do need something on the endpoint. So let's dive into that. Why do we need? You know, we we kind of talked about why, but okay, I've got you know na- name your favorite EPP you know here on my endpoint. Why do I need AMP? What is it, what is different about AMP? Well, let's let's take a step back. <clears throat> what what exactly is AMP for endpoints? Okay, um, it's what we like to call a next gen AV. That's okay. what that's what the market calls it, right? And the reason it does it, it refers to it is that because it brings together the uh, endpoint protection platform EPP and the endpoint detection and response EDR platforms. Those two converge to to really what AMP is, to an, a, a next-gen AV. Now, having, having AMP on the endpoint is important because that, that is the ultimate target for attackers. Right. Okay? They want to get into our network. They want to get their foothold on uh, inside of our endpoint so they can steal data um, and, and do what they want, really. So an EPP, or Endpoint Protection uh, Platform, I believe it's, it's, is the, the broken-down acronym, that's not going to have the capabilities of an EDR. But you mentioned that AMP for endpoints kind of splits that that uh, that, that boundary and, and, and kind of fills both of those gaps. So can we, we – so it sounds like we can replace an EPP if we already have one, but could we work alongside an existing one if, if a customer already has one and they need to keep it for compliance reasons or something along those lines? Exactly. I, I think of EPP as a, a legacy – antivirus solution. Okay. Maybe it's signature-based, those kind of things. Right. Um, and initially, what AMP for Endpoints was, uh, was just an uh, EDR-type solution, providing you that forensic visibility into what's happening on your endpoints. Mm-hmm. Now that we have the EPP and the EDR, we can certainly replace existing EPP solutions, uh, but we, again, we can run alongside as well. So replace or augment, depending mm-hmm. on on the specific scenario. And is there any additional licensing cost to be able to check that box to turn on the EPP portion, or what are we looking at? Uh, one one product, AMP for endpoints. One SKU, one product, that's and it. and and all the features are there. That's, that's right. That's that's pretty cool. Um, so can we dive a little bit deeper into into what makes an EDR? Uh, you mentioned kind of sitting on the endpoint and looking at at, at what the endpoint is doing. And and when we say endpoint. Uh, if, if we could, too. What what platforms are we are we covering here? Yeah, perfect. So, uh, Windows, Linux, Mac, uh, iOS, and Android. iOS. A, you said it, you said iOS. <laughs> I want I want to point this out. You said iOS, so we can run on an iPad, an iPhone. We can run on that. We absolutely can. Uh, it has to be a uh, a company owned supervised device, but we can certainly. Uh, we can certainly get AMP for endpoints installed there. Very cool. All right, continue. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No worries. So we were kind of talking about what what are the components of AMP for endpoints, okay? So if we kind of take a step back, it is a, uh, it's cloud-based software as a service. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to land a, a server in your environment to manage your AMP for endpoints deployment. Makes it easier uh, to deploy. Makes it easier to deploy, makes it easier to manage uh, reporting all that all that stuff that you kind of want with any of these types of solutions. Okay. The um, 
the core components in my mind are going to be uh, our AMP cloud. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this will be our, our sole source of truth. Um, so as, as AMP is monitoring all that file activity, um, AMP can request a verdict from the AMP cloud and, and determine what to do with a particular file. The other two components I like to talk about are Talos. Um, mm -hmm. You could probably do a whole podcast just on Talos if you haven't yet. I think I think we're gonna. I, I have to work with those guys and see if I can't get them on as a as a guest. You know, kind of a crossbreed between beers with Talos podcast and, exactly. the, and ours. But uh, that'd be it. Would definitely could do at least one podcast on them. <laughs> the the other component I like to mention is Threckrid. Mm -hmm. So Threckrid is our um, advanced uh, malware analysis platform. Okay. Um, it's it's a sandbox on steroids. It's, and it's so is, much more. And this is on prem in the cloud. Where, where does this exist? So all of these could be on prem or in the cloud. Okay. Uh, the primary solutions that that I deliver are going to be cloud based. Okay. But we do have options for on prem. So for if for organizations that have compliance uh, issues or, or whatever with having things on prem uh, versus in the cloud, we can offer that. But primarily, this is going to be a cloud based solution. Not really, not really requiring anything to be to be on on site. Exactly. We see we see the on-prem solutions uh, used in organizations who have strict privacy concerns, uh, maybe government agencies, that kind of stuff. Right. Okay. So so let's let's go through those pieces if you if you would. So the the first thing you mentioned was kind of um, uh, like a hash lookup of, of a particular file that goes through. Right. So we we see a file on a device, we calculate its SHA two fifty six hash. And we do a lookup, a quick lookup in the AMP cloud for that SHA to see if we have ever seen it before and to get a quick disposition on it. Is that, is that accurate? That's right. So, and, and just keep in mind that this is only one of our detection uh, mechanisms or engines. Right. Um, AMP, AMP for endpoints actually has about 15 different uh, methods for detecting and, and preventing malware from uh, doing its thing on your endpoints. Uh, so that's, that's just one of them. And, and, and that's huge, and I think that's why you call this a next generation, you know, endpoint protection, right? Because basic EPP is going to be signature based. It's going to be looking up in a database that it downloads maybe daily, or you know, if you've got a, you know, maybe, maybe hourly. Uh, but you're always kind of lagging behind. Someone needs to be able to figure out what that file is, generate that signature, publish it, and push it out to all the endpoints before it can be even detected. Um, so this kind of checks that box, right? This is this is like that on steroids because instead of looking at a local signature, I'm actually doing a live look up into the cloud to get my real time, you know, disposition on this file. So that's that's one piece. You mentioned some. You know, there's 14 other engines going on. Can you can you elaborate on maybe you know one, one or two of those and and what makes them uh, you know what bolsters the AMP for endpoint product? Sure. So a big one would be our malicious activity protection engine, and this engine is focused specifically on ransomware detection and prevention. Okay? okay. And so the way this one this engine works is we're looking at real time behavior on the endpoint, and if we see uh, behavior that looks like ransomware, then we can go ahead and shut that down and block it. Okay, and and what kind of behavior would like ransomware? This would be like uh, deleting um, deleting shadow copies, maybe making registry key changes, stuff like that. Maybe a, a mass encryption of, of files in a short amount of time. Okay, stuff like that. So it, it's looking at behavior uh, on the endpoint to be able to determine, you know, this file is not doing what a normal file should be doing. That's right. That's right. Now, so now, what about um, what about if a file? We have a lot of um, malware out there now that likes to 
change itself a little bit so that those signature lookups don't work, right? If it, if it goes and, and maybe adds a couple bytes of data to the end of it, even if it's just, you know, random data, that SHA value is going to change, right? Do we have uh, an engine that's looking at, at something along those lines for to protect against uh, that kind of uh, method of uh, um, uh, of uh, uh, obscurity? Right, absolutely. So we do we do have a, a fuzzy fingerprinting engine and also a machine learning engine. Okay. Um, and these two engines are going to help us detect malware that's exactly um, trying to do that. Um, maybe they change a bit, so the SHA value changes, the fingerprint changes, right? Well, these two engines will help us help us detect those files. Um, and I always say, um, it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, most it's likely. A duck. It's probably a duck. So this is the way we can uh, identify those, those obfuscation types. All right. So with this kind of solution, it sounds like there's going to be a constant need to improve, a constant need to adapt and change to the environment. I think that's why um, the old EPP type platforms have have kind of fallen away. Uh, the reason we can't do just the good old stateful firewall and, and antivirus is because the threat landscape is constantly evolving and changing, and they're getting smarter, uh, and they're actually getting paid to do this stuff now. So there's there's financial incentive on the bad guys to be able to uh, continue to adapt and um, figure out a way to get around these types of security products. So. What's, you know, as much as you can elaborate, Keith, uh, because I know that, um, you know, as a, as a publicly traded company, we can't, you know, talk too much about what's coming down the roadmap. But as much as you can elaborate, what's kind of up and coming? What cool new things are we going to see on this platform? Right, Brian. So to kind of elaborate on what you were just talking about, the, the attackers are ever-evolving and um, they're well-funded. They're well-organized. And because of that, we, need, we also need to constantly evolve. Mm-hmm. Um, I always talk about AMP for endpoints bringing deep um, visibility, context, and control mm-hmm. to the to the table. So some of the areas you'll you'll see uh, innovation and improvements on our side are going to be in those categories. Uh, the ability to to do deeper investigations into the endpoint. Okay, mm-hmm. let me let me do true threat hunting. That's mm-hmm. that's a that's a segment uh, that I'm really excited about uh, improving on. Um, some other features would be uh, on, along along lines of the control set. So if I see a threat, let me act upon it, and let me uh, not only not only quarantine files. We already mm-hmm. do that, but let me uh, let me act upon the the host and maybe uh, move that host into a separate group and and kind of segment it off the network. Very cool. Very cool. Um, and I know that that's something that we can do today in, in ICE, right, mm-hmm. where we, we can have um, AMP for endpoint communicating uh, to the firewall, communicating to ICE, uh, and, and having that endpoint be put into a remediation VLAN. Um, but this is kind of – it sounds like we're going to be going down the, the pathway of maybe not requiring uh, that network access control layer piece to be able to kind of quarantine and, and, and segregate that endpoint to get it off of the network or at least get it away from everyone else, right? Um how about fileless malware? Um, I know that's something that that's that's a bit of an attack vector lately. Uh, a good way to avoid most types of EDRs or EPPs is is just to not create a file. Just run in memory, uh, run a, a PowerShell script, something like that. Do we 
do we protect in in that piece as well? We do absolutely. So uh, back to our talk about the different uh, the many different engines we bring to the table. Well, one of those is called our cloud IOCs or indicators of compromise. Okay. This allows us to again detect those behaviors and alert uh, alert us of these happenings on our endpoints. An example of this would be just like you said, maybe a user opens a Word document. There's a macro in the Word document, and it launches PowerShell. Mm-hmm. That by itself is a behavior that we need to be aware of, right? Word launching PowerShell, I can, for the majority of the times, that's probably a bad situation. I can't think of one good reason for that. Right. I, I, I just, I, I can't. So, all right. So, again, looking at that, those behavioral indicators of compromise, right, that if the endpoint is going and in, 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 if a file is directing an endpoint to do something like launch PowerShell or, um, you know, delete shadow copies, make registry keys, especially certain certain types of registry keys. We're looking at that type of behavior and we're saying that's not a normal type of behavior. That's not something um, that uh, that should be should be done. I'd like to kind of give you a surprise question here because I know this wasn't part of our outline here, but uh, <laughs> I can see you get a little nervous, but this will be an easy one, I'm sure. Um, one of the features I really like about um, AMP for Endpoints is the automatic file submissions, right, for unknown uh, unknown files, and specifically on low prevalence files. Could you kind of dive into that a little bit for our audience? Right, sure. So again, I, I look at this as another detection method. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we're doing is we're looking at the executables. In fact, we're looking at all file types um, on the endpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I liken this to um, a DVR, a flight data recorder. Okay, mm-hmm. so we're cataloging all this infor- information, all this activity. When we see an executable, that's that we only see on a low number of machines that mm-hmm. kind of raises a red flag to say how come Brian's machine only has this executable and nobody else does there are certainly good reasons for that but there also may be bad reasons so what we'll do is we will identify that we'll grab the executable and we'll send it over to our uh, advanced malware analysis platform threatgrid to do that dynamic and static analysis and, and after that's done it can let amp know hey I saw this file it has a really bad score. We, we're going to quarantine it right away. And we didn't do anything that's, as the user. That's awesome. So you didn't do anything as the user, right? So, so and it wouldn't be my endpoint that would be infected. I have, True. I have certain executables on my machines that maybe most people don't have just because of what I do. But it wouldn't be my machine. It's going to be Karen in accounting. It's going to be her. We'll <laughs> see. Most a- security people are the worst. So. <laughs> I have fallen for a few of those internal <laughs> phishing emails, but mostly because I, I was like, wait a minute. Why, why, did, uh, why did that policy change? I want to look into it. And I always open it on my phone, but they never give me credit for that. <laughs> but that's uh, – I, I, I digress. Yeah. Um, okay. So no need for any interaction on the user level. No need for any interaction on the administrative level. This happens automatically. The file is submitted automatically, it's analyzed automatically, report is driven automatically, and if the threat score is of a certain caliber, the file is quarantined automatically. Right. This is huge because I always tell my customers, you have to have a security platform that is fighting for you 24-7 because the malware is coming in 24-7. These organizations, and they are literally organizations now with HR and payroll and benefits and vacation time that are going after you. This is, you know, I, I can't stress this enough. And let me tell you, I've talked to customers that, that they, they tell me, and this kind of freaks me out, oh, I have nothing for them to, uh, 
to for, for them to get. Well, then why are you a business? <laughs> you have zero value, then you shouldn't be a business. But everyone, my, my reason for saying that is everyone is a target. My, okay, I love, I love being an anecdotal guy. My uh, eye doctor, a previous eye doctor, literally one man shop. The guy has been doing this forever. My mother was uh, an assistant there when she was a kid. Okay, that's how that's how long this place has been around. Okay, this is an older guy. He's been running this this eye eye place for fifty years. Okay, I don't know, but a very very long time in a tiny little town I- I- here in Connecticut. I get a letter the other day. I haven't been there in six years. I get a letter from him the other day saying their systems are compromised. A bunch of data got out, and they're offering free uh, credit monitoring for a year. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, and this is a very small shop, and I'm sure they weren't necessarily targeted, but they still fell victim to it. And it only takes one. It only takes Karen, right? It's just Karen. And I'm sorry Poor for anyone Karen, listens. I who's... know. Poor Karen. <laughs> It, you know, it, please please send all uh, comments to uh, hello at confetti.show, and I'll apologize to you personally, Karen. But it's always it, there's always one, and that's all it takes. It just takes that one little crack in in the wall to to, to open up the floodgates here. It's just the, the weakest uh, the weakest link in the chain. And that um, example could be could could really spiral out into much more than what he thought it, it could be. Right? There's patient records there. Yeah. So now I could. Those are all potential targets for me. And patient records, I'm hearing on the black market, are probably one one of the highest uh, highest paid pieces. Now, your social security number, let's yeah. just face it, everyone's social security number has been compromised. If you have one, it's been compromised. Um, let's let's just face it. Passwords, they're all they're all you know. You you, you have to look at dual dual uh, uh, multi factor uh, with Duo, and we'll go into that in another episode at some other time. But um, you know th- those are gone at this point. Medical records, patient records. That's where the money's at. Uh, also, um, home titles, but that's a that's a whole other topic. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's what that's one of the things they're doing now is they're, they're stealing home titles from people right from underneath their noses. It's it's, I tell you, it's it's a scary world out there. But I, um, I've seen it firsthand, Brian. I've seen um, emotet outbreaks. Yeah. Um, and and I will say that um, our product has been inserted in customers' environments where they've already been owned. Right, mm-hmm. and 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 our dashboard starts lighting up like a Christmas tree, yep. and that engine we just talked about, right, the um, low prevalence, mm-hmm. is detecting these new executables that the attackers have crafted to leverage the Emotet uh, payload, etc. And uh, we're able to grab those, and analyze them, and come back and and, and add them to our blacklist, essentially. Now. I, and again, I'm going off script here. We talked about um, threat grid and uh, getting that threat score. What what makes up a threat score at a high level? I, I know it's it, it can be very detailed, but what makes up a threat score? Sure. So it's it's all back to the behavior. Um, we we take a file, we drop it into our um, sandbox, and what does it do? Does mm-hmm. it call out to CNC servers? Does it um, manipulate registry keys? So. Those behaviors are are observed and they are aggregated to come up with a, a threat score on the particular file. Mm-hmm. And and that threat score will determine uh, right away if it's if it's going to be something that needs to be quarantined or not. That's right. Like you said, if it's of a certain caliber, AMP can act on it right away. Very cool. And the the question I'll pose to you and answer because I've seen it myself is what happens when we get it wrong? What happens when we have a false positive? And I've seen this personally, and it was actually really cool. 
Um, so I've got this deployed on my family and friends' machines because you know I hate, I don't want to get that phone call of hey what's a Bitcoin, um, <laughs> you know I, I don't want that phone call. So my my brother's computer, um, I I go into AMP. I'm, I'm doing a demo and I go into my AMP dashboard and I happen to see a few little things in there. One of them is uh, cloud recall, and I, I know you're, you're nodding your head. You know exactly what that is. So. In this instance, a particular executable, I think it was actually Steam, because, of course, he plays games, so it was Steam, uh, an update came out, and that executable was marked as malicious and quarantined on his machine. And it turned out, maybe less than 24 hours later, when they actually analyzed it, it was it turned out to be fine. It was, it was um, re- retrospectively turned from malicious to clean, and it was restored to the endpoint without any interaction from me. I didn't need to do anything. So, and that works both ways. We can mark a file as clean once because, oh, it didn't look bad, but oh, wait a minute, it started acting badly after we uh, analyzed it a third or fourth time or after a particular date. Um, and you know now we know more and we're going to retrospectively turn it from good to bad uh, or bad to good. It, it works both ways. And we are constantly analyzing um, these files within this environment even after that first initial scan, right? Right. So, yeah. You bring up a lot of good points there. I was going to save this for our uh, differentiating topics, but but the whole plan A and plan B, right? Mm-hmm. Plan Plan A is is let's keep all the bad stuff out. But as you right. already said, there are things that get in. What Most do you, of our what bullets do you, here. What do you do about it? Okay, that's where we kind of shine. We have this uh, plan B. Um, what that means is something gets in. We will analyze it. We'll watch it. Mm-hmm. We'll remember where we saw it. And if our disposition changes, then we can go ahead and act upon that and quarantine it where we saw it. And cool. going forward, let's share that out to those AMP-enabled devices to kind of prevent it from coming in even further. All those AMP-enabled devices, whether it's, uh, whether it's the eBL product or right. the web security product. And, and, and that's huge because the endpoint is, is where we're going to detect it. The endpoint is the ultimate target. But if we can block it everywhere else on the email side, the firewall, the, the web security piece, block it from getting to the endpoint in the first place, or use the information that we are able to uh, gather with ThreatGrid by analyzing this file, looking at the IP addresses it's connecting to or the domains it's calling out to, that helps bolster our intelligence about those domains and IP addresses, and then that may change, you know, Umbrella, for example, is 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 domain blocking, right? It, it's at the DNS layer. But when we see a piece of malware that we're looking at, and we say, okay, this is this is a, a, an executable that does these behaviors. Okay, we know it's bad, but it's also calling out to these domains for CNC. Okay, we're going to take that intelligence and feed it over to Umbrella, and now Umbrella knows, hey, these are bad domains. If I see anyone calling out, I'm going to go ahead and block it, and I'm going to categorize it as as command and control because that's what it is. So this is what allows Cisco to be, I think we were just named the, the, the top security vendor, right? I think I just saw that email right. today, right? It, that's what allows us to have that type of threat intelligence, and that's what allows Talos to be as, as big as they are because we, ha- we are looking at it from every angle possible because we exist, email, firewall, network, endpoint, uh, and it just bolsters our, our intelligence. I was going to say it's, it's the depth and the breadth of our security portfolio that really sets us aside. All right, so you, you brought up a really good point here. Depth and breadth of, of, the, um, of the endpoint and the type of attack. Now, we have a cool free product that comes along with our AMP for Endpoint subscription 
that really allows us to do some threat hunting and investigation within our environment to really understand the depth and breadth of these types of attacks. Uh, and that is uh, CTR. Keith, tell me about CTR. CTR or Cisco Threat Response. So this is a, uh, a product, like you said, it comes along with AMP um, for free. And it allows me to answer questions quickly. So okay. am I protected? Am I infected? Those types of questions. And the way it works is I think of CTR as a search engine. Uh, in, in, in the background, it's essentially an API aggregator. Okay? Okay. It's, it's integrating our Cisco security products into one console that allows me to do incident response and threat intelligence research. Okay. So a good example of how to use this tool would be the CISO comes to me. Let's say I'm a security analyst, and they say, hey, Keith, um, I've been seeing in the news uh, this, this specific malware campaign is hitting everybody. Um, I want to know if we're protected against it. We made a good investment with Cisco Security, so I'd like you to tell me that. And I've been in those shoes before where I have to answer those questions. And like you talked I've about earlier, yep. right, with, with, with a legacy AV type solution, first you need to find out what signature set uh, covers those the, the malware. Right. Then you have to figure out if your endpoints have that signature set. If and it's this, even searchable. If it's even searchable. And this can take um, several Excel sheets, several web searches, and several um, scripts. Okay, What I can do with Cisco Threat Response is, first of all, I like the Talos um, blog site because mm -hmm. they do they do really great write-ups on on specific malware campaigns they get and real into the weeds they do they get into the weeds um, but again i've got the CISO on my neck he's he's saying keith i want to know what the answers are mm -hmm. they have a section called iocs or indicators of compromise for the particular malware campaign all i have to do is copy paste that into my cisco threat response window and hit investigate what happens in the background is uh, CTR is going to enrich those observables with data from my Cisco security integrated portfolio and also my threat intelligence, so Talos, et cetera. From within your environment. So we're searching mm -hmm. your environment by the API integrations of CTR into the security products that you have Right. I'm going to I'm going to answer those questions. Are we protected? So it's going to it's going to query our threat intelligence mm -hmm. and it'll come back and say, yeah, this file is known bad. Great. I can tell my CISO to go home. We're protected against this file. But it, we're also going to search, like you just said, our our products through the API. So has AMP for Endpoint seen this fingerprint? Mm -hmm. Let's say one pops up. Yep. I can see that I have one target. One target has come in contact with this file that is known malicious. Karen. So, for, so Karen. <laughs> so from from there, I've answered those two questions very quickly in the matter of seconds. Uh, from there, I can pivot back to uh, the AMP for Endpoints console and find out via that uh, device trajectory what really happened. I can look at the event detail and find out uh, a file was downloaded, a file was executed, and then a file was quarantined, for example. That's awesome. So this is not an alerting platform. This is not a SIM. This is this is specifically uh, an investigative tool that allows you to take the security products that you have within your environment, the Cisco security products that you have. Specifically right now, we're covering AMP for Endpoints, Umbrella, email today? Email, email, threat grid. Threat and grid. We, we do have a third-party integration to VirusTotal. 
Okay. So, right, and that's today. And I know there are more products coming down the road, but, you know, we're sworn to secrecy with Scout's Honor. So, more stuff is coming. We'll be able to investigate our environment and see and be able to and be able to answer the 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 CISO or whoever you know the CIO or whoever's come to us and asked us, hey, are we good, right? And and a lot of time I, I've been in that in, in those uh, shoes before as well. It's like uh, maybe I, I don't I haven't seen a help desk ticket. I I think so. Give me you a know. day. <laughs> yeah, give me give me a day. Give me a week. Um, you know if it's even possible to do those types of searches. So we're offering that today. Any AMP customers that are existing, they can go to, what is it, visibility.amp.cisco.com? Exactly. And go through the, the, the integration of the modules and put in your API keys. There's a step-by-step instructions on how to do that, and you'll be able to get those integrations and get, get off and running with that. So that, and, and, you know, that scenario we just walked through, that's just providing you with information. You mm-hmm. haven't acted upon it yet. Right. Right. So Cisco Threat Response also gives you capabilities to to act upon that. So for example, if I'm searching for Emotet IOCs mm-hmm. and I see that maybe some of those are brand new as of today and they're unknown, well right. I can I can right click those. It's two clicks to add the the uh, file fingerprint to a blacklist from the threat response console from CTR without right. having to pivot into in, into the AMP endpoint. I can if I want to, but Correct. I don't need to if I just want to do a quick block Correct. on the blacklist. Wow. Let's take it a step further. We also have this integration with Umbrella. So mm-hmm. if, I, if I'm searching domains that are part of a malware campaign, mm-hmm. and let's say one comes up as unknown, and I want to, I want to manually move that to a block list. Right. Same thing. Two clicks, add to uh, or block this domain now, through the I, Umbrella integration. That's, that's incredible. I will call out the caveat, though, with Umbrella specifically, those APIs do require an API subscription. Uh, I know Keith, you don't work specifically with Umbrella, but you know my my role as as that generalist SE, right? I get to see it all. Um, there are specific uh, additional licenses that you need to purchase for that API integration in order to um, push changes from CTR into Umbrella. That's Umbrella specific, mm-hmm. um, and that's not the the case with um, with AMP for endpoints. AMP for endpoints, it's 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 all there. You're good to go. Uh, it's just the way that Umbrella is designed. So, just want to make sure I call that out there. I don't want I don't want the the hate mail coming in for hey, you said I could do this and I can't do this, and just you know, just putting it all out there. No, you're absolutely right. There are different packages that you can purchase from Umbrella, and based mm-hmm. on that package, like you said, you get you get access to different APIs. Again, right. CTR is driven off of APIs. So, right. if you have access to an API that allows you to block domains, then you can do that from the console. But you will be able to pull in the data Correct. Uh, from, from Umbrella as it stands today if you're an existing Umbrella customer. Correct. The pushing, the pushing of policy changes is going to be uh, one extra step. A recently added feature to CTR would be our email integration. Okay. So again, let's, let's imagine I'm doing uh, research on a particular malware campaign and I plug in the IOCs. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's a, a file signature. Mm-hmm. And I already talked about how AMP will tell you if we've detected those signatures on, on our endpoints, mm-hmm. but where did that file come from? Right. So let's integrate with our email security to find out if that file, SHA, was seen in an email. And email is still the largest attack vector. Email is the largest attack vector, and, and that's where the majority of your threats are, are entering your environment from. Right. Okay. So And, and that's, uh, that's recently been announced. It's rolling out uh, the SMA interface for our... Um, cloud-based email security customers. 
uh, and any of our customers that have the on-prem, um, we're looking at uh, we, 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 it's SMA version twelve. You know SMA that. version twelve. I, I you, you held up the, the twelve, and I'm like twelve. What? There's uh, <laughs> nice, nice try. I appreciate it. But yeah, no right. SMA version twelve uh, is, is a requirement. But uh, it's it's rolling out for our CES customers so that we have that capability uh, to integrate CTR and uh, for your on-prem email security customers, uh, make sure you're upgraded to SMA twelve, and you can go ahead and integrate with those APIs. Exactly. And you know, as you alluded to earlier, Brian, this product is also ever evolving and we're and and our goal at Cisco is to integrate uh, more and more of our Cisco security products into this platform. So we'll it's exciting to see uh, you know every time we add a new integration to the product it's 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 very exciting for us as SEs to be able to experience it and then talk to our customers about it. Absolutely. All right. So, um, this sounds like an amazing product. Uh, it sounds like we are putting a lot of work and effort behind it to make sure that the intelligence that feeds into it is good, the intelligence we get out of it is good, and we can automate as much of it as possible. So now, <laughs> I would assume, and I think I'm going to assume correctly here, that we're not the only company doing this. That's right. So the, it, would you say this is a pretty crowded uh, area right now uh, with EDR, EPP? Uh, how, how, you know, and, and if so, because it, it seems like it would be, what sets us apart besides you know, just the integrations that we can do with other you know, Cisco products? If I'm a customer that doesn't have any other Cisco hardware, software, anywhere else, right? What is going to make AMP for endpoints stick out? Uh, versus the other uh, op- op- other options that are out there, you know, Brian, it it is a crowded space, and and quite frankly, we are relatively new to that space. Yep. If you look at some of the uh, legacy uh, AV vendors that have been there since AOL, right? We could play that You've jingle if mail. you want. There you go. <laughs> <clears throat> but um, I think one of the one of the main features that really sets us apart is the muscle that Cisco brings to the table. And part mm-hmm. of that is our Talos Threat Intelligence Organization. Yeah. Um, you know, they're second in size only to um, those organizations that are described with three-letter acronyms, right? Yes, the, the government-funded and right. government-run organizations, the three-letter government. Acronyms. Exactly. So the, the, the point to drive home there is because we, we have a larger threat intelligence organization. Because mm-hmm. we see more threats, we're able to block more threats. So that increases our efficacy. Okay? And then to me, those are important pillars of, of a successful uh, endpoint product, right? Does mm-hmm. it do what it's supposed to do? Does it keep us protected? Mm-hmm. And we're able to do that by bringing those, that, that muscle to the table, if you will. That's awesome because I, I do talk to a lot of customers about the better together or the stronger together uh, kind of uh, um, play that we, we talk about with, with Cisco security where, you know, there's benefit of having Cisco Umbrella with Cisco NextGen Firewall with Cisco M for endpoints, right? But again, to those customers that just are looking at just the endpoint protection, just maybe to start off or they've already got other things in, in those other places, that that's fine too. We're still able to get that muscle to you because of the fact that someone else has Cisco firewalls running AMP. Someone else has Cisco email security running AMP, uh, uh, running the AMP engine, right? Just because you aren't running it in your environment doesn't mean that you still aren't going to benefit from other people running it in theirs. 
Now, does that mean you don't need it? I, I, I still think you need it, you need it everywhere. I, I still think that the Better Together um, story works, and it works very well. But, again, as, as you said, the, the biggest uh, kind of um, differentiator with Cisco versus the other vendors out there, even the ones that have been around in this, in this space for much longer than we have, because of the fact that we exist, and I just mentioned this in the last episode, because we exist on the, we have a server platform. We've been doing networking for you know a little while. Um, we're we're in the email security business. We're in the web security business, right? Because we have products and services in all of those spaces, it really gives us an aggregate view of what's going on worldwide. Because we have these products and we are a global company. So when we saw the WannaCry campaign when that started, right? We pivoted so fast. I mean, within hours, we had three security products actively blocking the WannaCry campaign from spreading. We, we had a we had a snort rule, uh, very very. Uh, we had a snort rule two weeks before it even happened, right? We, right. We, we had snort rules specifically. We we had snort rules against the uh, the SMB vulnerabilities that Microsoft announced. Mm-hmm. The day they came out, which I believe was like March 14th, right? So that was two months before WannaCry even started. Right. But then even when Shadow Brokers released those exploit kits, we had Snort signatures in place specifically tied to that a week after they were a week after they were released. Someone someone in Cisco brought out the credit card and bought them and, <laughs> and analyzed them, right? And so, you know, and that so the firewall was already protecting against WannaCry before WannaCry even happened. Right. But we didn't know what the signature of that 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 executable was until it actually started but we already had it an hour and a half after it uh after the campaign started amp had already analyzed it amp knew everything about it and again if that campaign changed to an email attack vector that day or even today we're good amp already it doesn't matter it, 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 it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter it's it, it's protected like you said earlier amp everywhere so yeah. So, so you know, this is. Uh, I think these are some of the, the stronger differentiators. We can we can get into the weeds, and you know, um, I would I would if you're looking at other competitors, um, if you're looking to get something into your EDR EPP space, reach out to your account team, ask them for a demo. You know, look into getting a, a proof of value. Right. Uh, the the thing I dislike about proof of values with. Uh, with AMP for endpoints is that one of two things are going to happen. Nothing's going to be found, and you'll be like, okay, it, it didn't really find anything, so we're good there. Or it's going to find a bunch of stuff, and we basically just give you uh, incident response for free, which is fine. You know, if, 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 uh, if it happens, it, it happens. And I, I've, it's funny because I've seen a couple customers that were doing a POV, and they, they get an attack right in the middle of it. And we're like, yeah, you're, you're all set. Their dashboard lights up like a Christmas tree, but they're good. And they're like, oh, so I don't really need to do anything? I'm like, no, you can go and investigate, but you're – you should be good. We and, walk that fine line of, yeah. you know, during a during a trial of showing value, but also if we detect that we need to engage our incident response team, uh, yeah. we'll we'll do just that. Yeah, and I don't think a lot, and, and you know, we haven't gotten to incident response either. This is still a very young show, um, but we do have an incident response team. Uh, we have a couple different methods of con- uh, consuming that incident response, whether it's uh, a retainer or just you know. You know, you you have us on on standby, and we you, you give us a call when there's an issue. Um, and AMP for endpoints is one of the first products that gets deployed uh, in in those incident response uh, uh, scenarios to go in and triage and, and clean up those uh, those endpoints. In fact, one of the the profiles that we have built in is or policies we have built in with AMP is is literally called triage. So, 
That's uh, right. No, those guys are great. They're like the Navy SEALs of uh, incident response, you know, and, and they can, we can get boots on the ground uh, on site to, to like you said, triage uh, an attack. Well, awesome. Um, Keith, were there any final thoughts, anything you wanted to add before we kind of wrap this show up and put a bow on it? Uh, I think really just the main takeaways I like to drive home are uh, AMP for endpoints. It, it provides you that deep uh, visibility, contact, and control. Um, and it can be a set it and forget it, but it can also allow you to do so much more. Yeah. Um, in my space, I deal with customers, um, some who may not have a SOC or a dedicated security team. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want them to know that they can install this product. It will do its job, as we've outlined today, mm-hmm. uh, with all those engines uh, working to protect you. But if you want to dive deeper into an attack, mm-hmm. uh, we can certainly do that because we have all of that data that we're recording. Right. I, I think it's a great summary, Keith. Thank you so much for uh, for joining me today. This was an absolute pleasure. And thank you for listening to ConfT with the RSC. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, a topic you'd like to suggest, please send us an email at con- uh, hello at conft.show. And if you like the show, please consider sharing it with your friends and colleagues and giving us a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And if you're not already subscribed, what are you waiting for? Go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you can get notified when we publish a new episode every two weeks. Show notes for this episode can be found on our website at conft.show. That's C-O-N-F-T dot S-H-O-W. As always, stay safe out there and don't forget to save that config. Mm -hmm.